Hello and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. The waters in the mortgage industry can be pretty muddy, whether it's investing, leasing, renting, home insurance, or myths and misconceptions. Welcome Home Radio has the answers for you, the consumer. And now, to help you make the right home buying decision for you and your family, here are your hosts. And welcome to Welcome Home Radio, where real estate lending and learning come together. It is September 14th. And as Welcome Home Radio tries to educate all homeowners and would-be homeowners on buying, selling, and maintaining their real estate, I have a question for you. Was the summer of 2022 the hottest on record? As of July, we had two three-day segments of 110-plus degree days in a row. As well as July, we had 21 plus 100 plus days of 100. And still, we have two more months left in the summer. And based on the lower temps, we are barely behind the 2011 for the warmest on record. With all this, today we want to discuss the impact of a summer like 2022 on your home and your foundation. Joining me, of course, are our co-hosts, Alan and Tom. Welcome, guys. Great to see you. But also we have our guests, Jeffries Allison and Julio Camacho of Elite Foundations. Welcome, gentlemen. So glad you're here today. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, we had a great summer, an unbelievable hot one. Helped my golf ball go further. But again, I think it negatively impacts some things around the house. And mainly, what should we be concerned about the foundation in that sense? Well, um, it's funny you opened up with that that heat story people don't realize we haven't seen a drought since 2014 that was the first drought we've seen since 2014 um and then when you have a lot of dry conditions not necessarily the heat the heat helps it's opposite of what everyone believes it's when it's dry is when we have foundation issues and the heat with a drought just speeds up the process much faster yeah, I, I try. There he goes. He's lost again. I, uh, when I do my Facebook type marketing, I always try to tell the folks, don't forget the water. Yeah, watering is a, the, the yeah. watering is great. I'll never tell anyone to do it, but it is just a little overrated. Now, still water your foundations. Um, what you're doing is you're you're expanding the soil around the foundation edge itself, but what you're also doing is creating a moisture barrier so the water underneath the house doesn't evaporate, um, and that keeps the soil expanded. Um, so I would say definitely water. The problem with water is everyone does it wrong. It's it needs to be every day, 15 to 20 minutes. Your soaker hose or your drip line should be. A, it depends on the slope of the away from the house. If it's a major slope, the pipes got to be or the hose has got to be closer if it's a very flat distance from your or very flat from away from your house then it needs to be further away but 12 to 18 inches away in about 15 to 20 minutes a day every day except of course when it's raining so i know that people rely on their sprinkler systems a lot if they have them and others that don't i think are probably more likely to have a soaker hose i'm not sure about that but when you get a soaker hose is it to be buried a couple inches 
under the ground and how far away from the foundation is that? Well, again, depending on the slope of the ground away from the house. So if you're built up on a, on a mound, the, the, the hose needs to be closer. Um, so yes, and, and if you already have a sprinkler system, I would advise anyone to go ahead and install a drip system. It's going to cost a lot more, but it's going to last forever. Those soaker hoses that you buy at Home Depot and Walmart, those tend to last about a season, buried or not. They just don't last very long. So go ahead and spend a little extra money and put a drip system in, would be my Can advice. you explain for the public what that means, the drip system? Okay, a drip system is, sorry, Julio, go ahead. No, go ahead, boss. No, a drip <laughs> system is a, a smaller PVC pipe that is, uh, directly wired to the sprinkler system so it runs automatically a soaker hose will just hook up to one of your outside faucets and then you have to turn it on and off regularly so if you're going to use a soaker hose which is looks just like a water hose it's just a uh, has a perfor it's perforated soaker hose or water hose is what it is if you're going to hook it up to your your outside faucet i highly suggest you use a timer spend 30 40 dollars on a timer that runs on a nine volt that you have to check once a month but then you can opt it then you can have the water the soaker hose automatically run a drip system again is set to your sprinkler system they'll have to put a separate zone in um and then that's just automatic it runs automatically you never have to check it or do anything with it i what should we be concerned about in looking at the house in case we do have an issue i understand I have a soaker hose. We run it. Um, what we were told to do was run it three times at three to five minute intervals. And of course, it's it by the time it, it it's been two years, the grass is over it. I'm able to drive the lawnmower over it. It's soaking up pretty good and, and we haven't had a concern. But what should we be looking for at homeowners in our home for signs of problems, of signs of something maybe broken or something's happening? that we need to call you and look at, or is it good to have just a maintenance program with somebody like you? Um, well, your, your basic damage uh, is anytime there's a drywall crack, a door sticking, um, what we look for as foundation guys, we look for joint separations on the outside of the house. Now, if it's a siding house, you have to look at all damage on the interior of the house. Most people look for brick cracks and unless it's a good size crack, you're probably not, it probably doesn't matter. Uh, foundation companies look at joints, not necessarily brick cracks. Now, if you have a brick crack that's that big, well, yeah, that's a brick crack, but where the brick meets your window, there's a bead of caulk. Um, and if the house moves, it opens at that caulk line, you know, the house is going to separate at its weakest point, which is a window joint or an expansion joint. Um, if you have multiple expansion joints on your house on the outside, that's the, the, the joint they put in the house in the brick on purpose. So if the house ever moves, it moves at the expansion joint. If that doesn't have, if that, if an expansion joint is not open, odds are your house is not moving. If the expansion, if the expansion joint is open, your house is moving. What so is I that was getting ready to call Julio just about my neighbor as I walk out my garage. I have a great view of his expansion joint, two-story home, and it moved. It's there's there's a gap there now. It's slightly separated. I won't say a lot, but you know it's different. 
I see it every day. He never sees it. So saw him out in the front yard the other day, and I said, you need to come look at this. And um, I think, you know, there's a good chance something's different here. He goes, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. Said, but my windows are fine and my doors. I said, well, that's good. I said, but, if you know, you keep an eye on it. And I know somebody to call if you want to talk to somebody. And always think of Julio first. So, um, but that just happened the other day. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because I think most people don't necessarily look at an expansion joint if it's not part of an everyday routine. I mean, Blair is probably wanting some candy or something. I'm not sure. but No, I want the uneducated. What is an expansion joint? Most of us don't even know what that is. Get them, Julio. It's what I wear around my waist. It's, uh, <laughs> I have one of those two. The expansion joint, it's um, uh, a cup on the brick line uh, on the walls, on the side of the house, on the outside, that it's usually filled up with uh, silicon or um, some kind of material in there. And that's kind of new. Back in the day, they didn't used to do do that and it's basically to make the weak spot so you can prevent extra damage so if the house settles let's say that uh, this is the expansion joint and the house settles on the front she's gonna do this and that's why a lot of times you see the expansion joint that opens more on the top and gets narrow on the bottom it's just the stress of the house dropping I, and, mm -hmm. I do, do you have one in your home? Do you have two? What do you, what do you look for around the house to, because I think I only have one. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's possible. Uh, a lot of properties, actually, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, but I, I think that most of the properties just have one on each side. Some of them have a, a couple. Some of them have one like post by the main window and then a big one all the way around. And, uh, but usually it's just one expansion. Joint. And I've only seen them on two story houses. I've never seen them on one. Oh yeah, they do. One, one story houses, they usually start them and then right above the first two feet of the expansion joint ends up being a window. Uh, so then your window joint would be an extension of your expansion joint. And another uh, thing, the same question is, how many expansion joints do you have? Two answers. How big is the house? If it's a massive house, it's going to have multiple expansion joints. Uh, and if it's a newer house, it's going to have more expansion joints. And adding to something that Alan was talking about earlier is most people are looking for damage on the inside of their house. A house will show damage on the outside long before it shows damage on the inside. Now that's a good point. And here's a big point that I still teach this every day. Um, people always want to look low at the foundation itself and see if they have a crack in it. We don't care about those. That means nothing. Always look high. Look at the very top. Because again, as Julio said, if a house falls, it's got a little crack right here. But as that crack gets taller, it gets much bigger. So always look high, never look low. The crack at the, in the slab itself, what's really called a grade beam, means absolutely nothing if you don't have joint separation higher than it. It's just a crack. Well, that's interesting information. I don't, I don't think I really knew that either. That's great. 
I'm intrigued by the expansion joint still because I have a two-story home except for my side of my master bedroom and then of course in my garage and I have an expansion joint between the garage and my master bathroom only one story that's the only one I have that I see is that normal just because it's a 36 year old home yes absolutely so usually the houses that are built probably in the <clears throat> 2000s will have more than one after the 2010s you're probably looking at uh, you know two each side and then we've seen as many as four each side but you know that footprint was probably 4,000 square feet so again the bigger the house and of course the straighter the house if you have a house that's really odd shaped and it's got a lot of angles each angle basically represents an expansion joint so they're not going to have as many in that's what tom is to Surely our show he's got an odd angle drainage situation <laughs> what's that i said that's what tom is he's our odd angle uh, to our show <laughs> <laughs> so in the past I've worked with Julio on foundations and drainage problems. So what all do you do? There he goes again. I know service that the elite offer. Alan, you gotta start over. What, what you cut out. Am I cutting out? Yeah, we love you did that time. I, I think what he said, Julio and Jeff, what what additionally do y'all do as a lead foundation? What other services do you provide to a client? that we should be making people aware of? Uh, we do, uh, obviously we do foundation evaluation and repair. We also do drainage correction and we will build retaining walls. And for the most part, that's all we do. And that keeps us, that keeps us pretty busy. Um, drainage is another big topic, especially the last, you know, six years, uh, just the amount of water that we've gotten. I mean, you think from, 2015 all the way up to this year at some point i mean in august at some point every year we have set a record in one month or one quarter or one entire year um for the amount of water that we're we're getting and so really drainage has been a big topic uh for us for for the last six years well i have a huge huge question for you because this is a big anxiety issue for my wife we have a, a, an older home, but the patio was built up on the back and they put a pool in secondary after the home was built. And of course the patio was built up to the weep holes. And now we have drainage, like we had that little flash flood about, what was it, a, a week ago, I think, the Sunday. We had surprisingly um, a lot of rain, like like almost an inch and a quarter or something like that. Well, she was concerned about it coming in the back door. It was causing issues, drainage and or the weep holes being covered up because that could soak into our house. What does something like that look like? What do you, what would you do in that case if the patio has been built up beyond what it should have been initially? I know the answer, but Hula, you, you're the one that does this, go. <laughs> uh, we have to do uh, what it's called a channel drain. A, a what? channel drain. It's uh I can't hear you. He's saying a channel drain. It's a, a channel grid. Drain. It's a solid, continually solid grate that's about four inches wide. Um, and we can extend it as long as we want, and it's completely open. You can walk on it, you can drive your car on it. Um, it's about four inches wide, 
and it's just got multiple holes in it and it's called a channel or some people call it a trench drain or a great drain so y'all know a surface drain you have the little collection boxes little inlets uh, this is one that's continual and you can make it as long as you want is that different than a french drain yeah unfortunately in texas it's like you know we all go to the store and get a coke but it may be tea maybe mountain dew maybe a dr pepper in texas we go to the store and get a coke unfortunately every drain system out there is called a french drain well a french drain is a specific type of drain okay so, as far as drains you have a surface drain a french drain and a channel drain now you can vary it uh, use variations of all those um if you have surface water you're you're wanting to collect surface water it, it's called a surface drain migrating under the groundwater is a french drain that's the perforated pipe with gravel and if you're having water on concrete you would need a channel drain well uh julio whoever needs to contact me please let's schedule a time get y'all out here to talk to my wife uh we would love to look at that because this has overwhelmed her the last week of we got to redo the door, redo this, redo that. Uh, -uh. Right. let's get some people in here without anxiety. And happy wife, happy life. Yes, I understand, but one one other thing that it's important on the, on the drainage types. It's a French drain. It's a low flow drainage. It's underground, that's for underground water. And then the surface drain, the channel drains are high flow. So again, when like on your case that you, you, you're having flash floods, we can collect all that water and make it run away from the house as fast as possible. The type of uh, material that we use help us and get us to run up to the four inch pipe up to uh, 5,000 gallons per minute with a good slope so we can get all that water as fast as possible away from your house the french drain goes slow it's just you know extra moisture on the soil that goes through the gravel gets on the pipe and the pipe just conducts that uh that little amount of water so depending on what you need if you have underground water yes you need a a french drain mostly uh when we have to do those guys it's um when you're up on the hills and uh, one side of your house, it's against the soil, that, uh, that starts causing what it's called the hydrostatic pressure. So when the soil swells, the, the humidity starts pushing through the concrete. And I don't know when you guys have gone on the house, for example, with a garage, and you see that water seeping on the back, that's because of a lack of drainage. And that gets corrected with a French drain. And... Uh, and you know, so on. So that's uh, one of the most important differences. Also, French drain usually goes three feet and below. Surface drain, channel drain, three feet and up. Okay. Now, how can how can our listeners get a hold of you guys? What how would they best get a hold of you? Look for you, find you, so that they can call. Well, obviously the website. You can go to the website. It's a elitefoundationrepairs.com and then our office number is 214-856-9634 or you can call me and i can call julio 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do once a month, probably. So <laughs> it's like kind of. <laughs> so what all do you, I want to I want to talk a little bit about. I didn't know you did retaining wall work until this morning. Can you explain what that is and what that encompasses? And I've run into it as a realtor helping people buy a home. In, in fact, buying my own home, there was a house with a retaining wall next to it that had a problem. So can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, obviously, mo most of the time what we're doing is replacing or rebuilding an existing wall. Now, we've installed walls that didn't exist before, but most of the time, um, and I'm talking 99% of the time, what we're actually doing is rebuilding an existing wall. Uh, now the walls that we build, just being transparent, they are not cheap. They're expensive. We use the diamond pro, uh, pave stone blocks. Um, I've been doing this 18 years. I probably responsible for about 200 retaining walls. Um, I've never had a diamond pro block fail ever. Uh, they just don't. Now, some of that is we install them properly, um, but the Diamond Pro Block system is just the best one. Unfortunately, the cost of a Diamond Pro Block wall is it, it's, it's high. So most people will go back in with a, a rock and mortar wall. Um, and sometimes they'll do a wood slab wall, which I think is silly, but I think most people can go with a rock and mortar wall. Anytime you install a drain system, I'm sorry, a retaining wall, you have to put a drain system behind it or it will fail. And I don't mean just putting weep holes through the retaining wall. You've got to put a French drain on the back side of the retaining wall and make sure that all that water that you're collecting goes at some point in time, goes through the retaining wall and escapes to whatever's on, on the other side of the retaining wall. If you don't, the hydrostatic pressure will build up and eventually push that wall over. So when I say I've never seen a diamond pro block wall fail that we installed, we always install them with drain systems. I have never seen a wall, any retaining wall that has failed that had a drain system behind it. So every time a drain system, I'm sorry, every time a retaining wall fails, I always say you don't have a drain system behind it. And people, how do you know? Because the wall failed. So it's always a two-step process. You have to put a drain system behind the retaining wall or it will fail eventually. Yeah, I've seen, I, as a layman, just it's a layman question. I've seen a lot of railroad tie, you know, things. HOAs get involved with the looks of stuff. And I imagine there's a whole lot to go through when it comes to fixing situations like that. Now, let's talk about the railroad ties because those are the ones we're usually replacing. No city in DFW allows you to build a new railroad tie retaining wall. Oh, good um, no. in fact, we're only allowed to repair up to 20 to 30%, depending on what city you're in. So we can replace a few of the railroad ties, but if the wall is gone, fallen down, it has to be completely rebuilt. Um, and the dump, just the dump fees of railroad ties is a crazy cost it's like a thousand dollars a ton um, so if it's a decent sized wall you know a ton a railroad tie weighs a lot 
So it doesn't take long. That's, you know, 20, 20 sticks of a, reta a retaining wall, and uh, you're probably at a ton. Um, so that's one of the big problems with uh, those. So we can remove them um, and rebuild them. If you don't want a diamond pro block wall, then we'll end up demoing the wall, putting the drain system in, and then hiring a mason to actually rebuild the rock and mortar if that's what you choose to go with. So do you also work on the pier and beam? Because we, I see quite a few of those still homes built, you know, many, many years ago. Um, you work on pier and beam as well, correct? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd say about 50% of our business is pier and beam work. Simply because we know what we're doing. Uh, and we we just don't charge, uh, we don't treat the, all that wood underneath the house like it's made of gold. Um, so our prices are just more fair on a pier and beam than what some of our competitors are. Um, some of it's because they just, it just, it costs a lot to fix a pier and beam. You know, everyone thinks that a pier and beam is less expensive than a slab to fix. And no, that is incorrect. Your average cost of a foundation Average job, a pier and beam is going to cost more than an average cost of a slab. Now, the high end, if you go berserk on a foundation repair, generally the slab is going to win that one. Um, but your average cost of pier and beam is actually costs more. And I think this is a good time to, to put this out here. I have, like I said, worked with Julio in the past. And I will say this. I've been a realtor a long time. I've talked to a bunch of different foundation companies. Not necessarily people I've recommended, but I have to deal with because clients, it's their people. But I'm telling you, folks, if you need help, call them. Because if you need help, they'll tell you the help you need, what you need. They won't overdo it. They won't underdo it. And if you don't need help, they'll simply suggest what to do different to maintain what you have. And it's not, they just don't come out to sell peers. I'm telling you, I love that. And the general public, you should love that. Um, it's hard to be a foundation expert as a consumer. We know nothing about it in general. Um, but man, give Julio a call. He'll take care of you. What do do you have any maintenance programs, or do you just I mean like come out and do a free estimate on uh, check on, or how does that work for you guys? Because I think our clients, a lot of people, don't understand this. They probably never paid attention. And this weather, as you said, a hot summer, a drought uh, can cause a lot of problems that they may not be aware of. And we have a lot of new home buyers listening that don't even know about why, why am I concerned about my foundation? It makes no sense. Uh, what could happen to it? It's concrete. Uh, they don't understand what do you have any maintenance programs or something like that? Free estimates? Do you come out and look and review? Well, how does that work? Now, I answered two, the, two, two questions there. Uh, we still will do free evaluations. Um, it's not a free estimate because we're not going out there to estimate something. As Alan said, we're going out there to see if there's an issue or not. And, of course, if there is a problem or concern, we explain it to you, then we go ahead and give you an estimate. We still do free evaluations. Uh, we have not yet, but we are starting a maintenance program uh, where we come back and check the house two to three times a year. If you're lacking dirt, then we'll bring dirt to you for free. Um, truthfully, it saves us a dump fee. 
Uh, we'll bring uh, dirt to your house and grade it. Uh, we can check, see how much you're watering. You can tell that by the, the amount of space you have in your air crack, which is where the soil bumps up to the slab. So you need to turn your water on more. Um, but we're going to check it before the hot season at some point and after the hot season, or I should say dry season. Um, and if we see enough changes in the house, then we'll check it again. Um, if we If we can constantly be looking at it, then we can figure out what the house is doing through the seasons and what the seasonal movement is versus what is real settlement. Um, so the problem with foundation, one, it's always an opinion. And two, we're in your house for 30, 45 minutes and we make a, a lifetime decision on your house. Sometimes, most of the time we have no choice. That's the way it works. But it would be nice in some cases if it's a gray area where you're down a little bit but the damage is not there or the damage is there but the elevations aren't showing really any deflection well let's look at it again before we recommend work um and if we can get a kind of a, a history of what the house does throughout the seasons then we'll know whether or not we need to do something uh, and catch it early to catch it early it's just like a disease if you catch it early it's usually not a big deal it's not very painful not very expensive it's when you start seeing something, then you ignore it. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then it's these astronomical numbers that people talk about. Yeah. Like when they want to sell their home and, oh, yeah, the door sticks, the windows jam, all that sort of thing. So Right. Exactly. Well, the other part about us a year earlier, it might have been you know $2,000 as opposed to seven. Sure. So you can contact the lead again at 214-856-9634. I highly recommend you calling them. Ask them for an evaluation. Ask them how you can do better on taking care of and maintaining your largest investment you have, which is your home. Uh, any other final comments? Any other final things you might want to say or share, Julio or Jeff? Julio? Uh, well, you know, uh, just, well, Thank you guys for inviting us here. And, uh, you know, I think it's good for everybody also, you know, your uh, your people, your followers to know a little more about foundation and what do they have to look for. There's, a, as you guys were saying, there's a lot of uh, new homeowners that, and if we had a penny for every time that we hear, oh, so that means that I can live on vacation because I have to take care of my foundation. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just have to learn how how it goes and basically foundation. And I always say it's kind of a it's control through the seasons. So well, I think, you have. Yes, sir. No, I, I was just going to comment again with what you were saying and what Jeff said earlier is that it can be a little painful now or, or pay me now, pay me later type thing. Now is larger. What? Jeff, what is the largest job you've seen somebody wait? You said it got into the sevens, maybe even tens of thousands of dollars. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that many times where they just waited way too long. Um, and I mean, I can't remember the exact property, but I remember evaluating the property and they needed three piers on a corner, um, three piers. Uh, with with engineering, plumbing, and city permits, that's about uh, probably sixteen hundred dollars, give or take. Um, but they didn't do anything, and then you know, about three or four years later, they were up in the thirty peer range with peers on the interior of the house. Mm -hmm. Now, can I? 
promise you that those three peers would have stopped it from moving? No, I can't. But I knew it needed three at one point in time. And then years later, it needed a lot more work. So it went from a small pinhole leak in your tire to a complete blowout. Um, and then probably would have stopped. It promise and, anyone that. It wouldn't have been all outside work. And then with the 30 peers, it, you probably had to go inside and drilling holes through the foundation itself. Oh, absolutely. We had to do multiple interior peers on that one. And and see, I, I guess, again, I want to stress what they're saying to any owner out there. Maintain your home. Having somebody come in and actually do work inside. You've got dust. You've got everything going on, going through carpet, going through wood floors. It's, it becomes more costly as well as repairs, as well as beautification back up to the standard, whatever it may be. So I can't stress again, call a leak, get an evaluation, get an understanding of where you're at and understanding this critical piece here in Texas. Tom, you've been out here, you've got investment properties. The shifting of foundations takes place almost everywhere in North Texas. Is that correct? Well, and there are areas that are more prone, I would say, than there. Uh, I live, I have one of my investment houses along a, a road that's called Sandy Lake. <laughs> and uh, oh my God. And uh, uh, yeah. Why is it called that, Tom? Well, my neighbor across the street knows. I know people. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot, there's probably 10 houses in the neighborhood that all know that the you know the foundation should have probably been built another 30 feet deeper <laughs> but um, that's point, a fun fact that area sandy sandy lake mccarter yeah uh, we have gone up 65 foot down you have not hit, uh rock yeah oh that's my god Cartel, right well i got lucky then <laughs> So, yeah, and also yeah, they, one thing that is important is, uh, with the investors, um, you know, even though if you're buying a foreclosure house, uh, you know, sell by uh, directly by homeowner house, get somebody to check your foundation. Um, last year, one of those funny stories, new investors, they bought uh, this foreclosure house. Uh, and uh, uh, well, guess what? That property, as I as I call it, was a bubble house. It has the outer walls, and then there was another house built on the inside of the house. Ooh. We end up uh, to fix that foundation. We had to demo the whole house, the whole foundation, and then uh, the it was a pyramid. The back of the house was sitting on the floor, and we end up bringing that house up. 28 inches 20. and then the engineer wanted us to bring it up five more inches just to make it more even. and that's uh you know everything looks nice everything looks good on the inside but that's why you have somebody that knows what to look evaluate that property so and maybe you bought a foreclosure house on sixty thousand bucks just to say a number and then you have to pay 40 for the foundation repair yeah yeah right i wanted to ask you guys you just mentioned something do you have an in-house engineer or is that outsourced with you guys or how do you how do you meet fha requirements when they 
call for that engineering report. It's out, out outsourced to a third party license with the state of Texas engineer. Never, ever deal with a company that's got an engineer on staff. Really? Engineer. Well, if I'm paying the engineer, they're going to yeah. say whatever I tell them to. So use a third party entity. Okay. Kind of like now, a we, we use the same engineers. Also, uh, we use about four different engineering firms. Um, and I'm, I've, I've told them be, be 100% open. There, there are some, some of the big dogs out there, you know, they have engineering, but the engineers aren't allowed to voice their opinion. I, I encourage the engineers to voice their opinion. If Good. they think we're thinking something too much, sometimes an engineer will go, I'd sign off on this if you put two less peers on it. Well, right. we'd actually go the next step. We'd call the homeowner and we ask the homeowners their opinion. What do you want to do? Um, and if the engineer wants more work on it, then we call the homeowner and we generally will make a deal with them because the engineer wants a few more peers. Uh, we don't just say, all right, you know, bait and switch. But the engineer, right. and I always explain, the engineer comes out, if he alters the repair plan, there's no bait and switch. No one's changed. No money has changed hands yet. Nothing has happened. You don't owe anything. The engineer has said they want a few more peers on this thing. What do you want to do? It's your house. You get to make the call. Okay, that's good. That is, that's a great point. There's that also really is. one. There's also one thing that on the slab properties we always do post plumbing tests. Like for example, the house that Jeff was talking about that it needed three peers and then a few years later needed more. Maybe there was a leak on that house. But but if we had done those trips at the beginning and get a post plumbing test and something was happening, we would have catched that before the damage was worse. And, you, and you uh, that's do, always you good. Do that on all, you do that on all slab foundations? Julio, you do that on all slab foundations? The plumbing? Yes, sir. The plumbing? Yeah. In yes, all, we do all slab foundations. All slab same thing. It's a third party. And it's a third party uh, plumbers, uh, so they're not attached with us. We just, okay. you know, when we write our agreement, we put the plumb, the post plumbing test, we put the post, uh, the pre and the post engineering, but they're third parties. So let's say that then if um, something, there's a leak on your house after the post plumbing test uh, has gone, you want to go ahead and work with that plumber? Awesome. You have a plumber that you know, you want to go with someone else that's fine it's uh the only thing that we ask whenever everything gets done send us the final post plumbing to have it on our files but uh again we don't have in-house plumbers we don't have in-house engineering we just we do foundation that's what we do can i ask just uh, out of curiosity what kind of percentage in uh slab foundations do you see uh post plumbing issues i mean generally speaking one percent ten percent thirty percent okay okay now that the, i'm going to add to that real quick uh we do post tests on all slabs and it's thirty percent we also do a lot of pre-tests on homes so we'll test the plumbing before we do the foundation repair um and the funny thing is, it's 30%. So before we even lifted the house, the number of leaks we find in a house before we do foundation repair is still 30%. So one in three houses have a plumbing leak, sewer line plumbing leak. We're not talking fresh water. We're talking sewer line. 
one in three houses today has a leak in it and you don't know about it. That's uh, a I know we're running close to the end of the show, but we haven't even talked about things like tree roots and I mean, where to plant trees properly. You know, uh, you see it constantly, a tree messing with the foundation. At least I do as a realtor. And so there's a lot. We maybe have a do another show just about foundations in, in the future, Blair. Sounds good to me. Hey, Guys, we do have to I'm, go ahead. I said we're in. Absolutely. We'll do another show. Well, I think it'd be a blessing. I think you've already shared a lot of good information, at least for me. Um, I know you're going to get a phone call from me or my wife or both of us, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate you taking time today. I think this is a very important topic and hopefully this will replay in a lot of places. It's on welcomehomeradio.net. You can find all of our radio shows there. Like us, share us, uh, point to us. But thank you, Julio and Jeff, for joining us today. I'm Blair Thomas. And I'm Tom Holm with Champion School of Real Estate. I'm Alan Pace, Fathom Realty. God bless. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you.